I'm really excited about this new study that we're doing. A deeper life with God. You believe it'll change your life and my life and our life together? That's about seeing God's dreams come true in your life. And I think it's gonna have a really profound impact on our whole church. Going deeper into our faith with God is critical for every part of our life. A neat opportunity for us to not only study together, to learn together, to grow together. We were created to do life together. I can't wait to share it with you. If you have not met, I'm Pastor Mike Ramsell. Today we continue in a, a very special series, A Deeper Life with God. Uh, not just what that looks like, but how, really how we get there in our journey, and I think everyone wants that. I think that's why you're here in church this morning, why you chose to come and, and gather to gather around music and worship and prayer and, and our Christian faith. How, how do we get deeper in our life with God? Today we're looking at our souls, you know, how to uh, heal a soul, how to grow a healthy soul, how to heal a damaged soul, really, is our focus this morning. So think about that with me, if you would. As many know, I was in the Navy, and I remember uh, during reserve duty, I spent four years after duty, then two years reserve duty. I remember heading out to San Diego from Missouri, where we were living at the time. We had a one-year-old. Uh, I remember Julie actually learning how to walk there in the airport, seeing her walk for the very first time across that airport, and she hasn't stopped since. Uh, that's our oldest daughter. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, I made my way to San Diego, and there I was for two weeks on what's called an LPH, a landing platform for helicopters, which is a small aircraft carrier is what it really looks like with a hangar deck. remember walking onto the ship, first thing, heading to where I was going to be bunking and getting ready for that two weeks of duty, uh, and there was a volleyball game going on on the hangar in a break time. They needed one more player. And I thought, I'm the guy. And I was dressed up for travel. I was wearing hard shoes. It wasn't five minutes into the game when I came down on the foot of someone on the other side of the net who I think really was putting his foot under the net a little bit. You know, I'm sure it was his fault. And sprained my ankle so bad. I remember clearly laying on the ground, watching it swell up that fast and thinking, I don't think it's appropriate to cry on a hangar deck on an aircraft carrier. So uh, I wanted to cry. I chose not to cry. It wasn't easy. And spent two weeks not just limping around that, that ship, but really hobbling, a lot of pain. Uh, did go to the corpsman. They couldn't help me. The damage was done. And simply had to wait for it to heal. Not easy to get around a ship when you have uh, general quarters, have to move rapidly, not me. Uh, you have these stairways you have to climb and ladders you have to climb, your portals you have to go through. Nothing cooperates with someone with a very badly sprained ankle on, an, on a small aircraft carrier. I want to illustrate that with this. I brought some crutches today for you to see. And you can guess, these are not mine, uh, as you might imagine. So uh, these are my wife, Rhonda's, her, her crutches, as many of you probably guessed who know her. Uh, they are really small, aren't they? It's like little toy crutches, I think, in some ways. <laughs> She's laughing, so I'm okay so far. Uh, but I do think that uh, there are a lot of people who hobble around life on crutches because their soul is that damaged. Uh, damage is many things. Certainly, sometimes simply we're lost. And that God save our souls. And God does that so easily and so well because His cross pays the price for that. We just ask, and the soul is saved, and that, that's taken care of. 
But many times we walk through life with what I would call soul damage this way, emotional damage. I think a lot of people have emotional damage. Things done to them, things that they have done, just life lived a certain way. Sometimes not their fault, sometimes it is their fault, but nonetheless, they have emotional damage. They're, they're hobbling around on crutches and sometimes don't even know it. They're used to these things. There are people who walk around with physiological damage. That means that their life has drained them, worn them, broken. They are physically just plain damaged. Uh, they're not thinking like they want to. They don't have clarity of mind and heart and soul. They walk through life with this physical damage, this drained, worn life they don't know what to do with, and they can't seem to escape from it. But they, they learn how to live. Hey, you can do it if you have to. They do. Uh, and there are folks I think who walk around also with spiritual damage. Spiritually, because of maybe religion, you know, maybe the church, maybe their own misconceptions about faith. They find themselves spiritually damaged, and they walk through life with that kind of soul damage, and they often wonder, okay, what is this Christian thing supposed to be? Because I'm not getting it. What is it about? Jesus did say, as we talked about last week, come that you might have life and you might have it more abundantly. Where is that abundant life? How can I experience that? The Bible says some of these things about that life. If we think about healing the damaged soul, this is in Isaiah 1.18, it says, Your sins, though they be scarlet, they shall be made white as snow. Love that imagery of how God does that in our life in all kinds of ways. Psalm 51.10 says, Create in me a pure or clean heart, O God. Make it whole, because I know it's not. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Made new creatures in Christ, made new people. You know, we're, again, thinking about with me, healing the damaged soul so many of us live with. Uh, psalm 23, you know that psalm, verse 3, God restoreth my soul. God restores my soul. God makes my soul whole. He heals that within me, that, that damage emotionally and, and spiritually and physically or physiologically. And Romans 6.13 says, being brought from death into life. From death to life. That was our last series of revival series that says that very, just one verse for you and me. And Jesus said this. You know, the time of Jesus, the way that people connected together was very unique. You know, in my own home, uh, we honor you if we invite you to come to our house. You know, that's the way it is for you probably as well. I'm going to honor my neighbor or my friend or my family. Come join us for dinner or lunch or an activity at our home. In Bible days, it was the opposite of that. You honor the person by going into their home, by becoming part of their experience at a meal or any kind of activity. In that light, Jesus said this in Revelation 3.20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and dine with him and he with me. In other words, it's an invitation for the healing the damaged soul directly related to Jesus Christ and this truth. I am convinced that many people live their life and they are simply living in insecurity. And the driving force for you and me to find security. Every human being wants that, either financially or in relationships or in life or whatever it might be. They're, look, I want, I want a good doctor's report or I, I want to have a good financial report. I want to have a good marriage report. Whatever it might be, looking for security. And let me tell you, 
it's hard to find in our very insecure culture. We're insecure about everything. We hear it all the time in all kinds of ways. And it drains the soul to be insecure in our life and who we are and our relationships and, above all, our walk with God. So where does the Bible say security comes from? It's rooted in the cross. God gave his son long ago. Crucifixion of God's son has already taken place. God's gift of salvation is already offered. The invitation is there for you and me. He'll just come in. He wants that for you and me. That's the offering God has. So, So it's about initially digging deeper into the cross. The more I dig in that place, God's gift for me, the more I find I'm okay. God loves me. God has saved me. God's with me. God is for me. I'm good. I'm good. And from that place, it filters into, it moves into, it goes into the rest of our life. From that place of security, I'm able to bring that into every other significant part of my life, including every relationship that I have. And that is where soul health begins for you and me and why it's so essential and also why those who live with damaged souls find themselves emotionally damaged, physiologically damaged, and spiritually damaged. Now we're going to go through these verses again that David read for us. And I'm going going through these verses from what's called the Message Bible. It takes those same words gives them to us in a different translation that may help us better understand what, what Jesus is offering us. And these are the words of Jesus Christ. And go through them verse by verse, looking first at verse 28a. And these are the words. Are you tired, worn out, bummed out on religion? Come to me and watch how I do it. And, of course, we can see that in Scripture in the Bible, also other Christians as well many times. We'll leave those verses up there for a while if I can. You know, and I've said it before, but I, 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 I absolutely believe and I'm convinced that Jesus always knows what he's talking about. I said that before. You know, now do you believe that? Do you believe Jesus knows what he's talking about? Or he is some kind of religious persona that's so far from you that you can't connect at all? Did he not live the same life we live? Same world we live in? Same people that we know and connect with? Live the same difficulties, the same joys in life? Yes, he did. I believe he knows what he's talking about. He's already talking to people who are bummed out on the religion of that day. The Pharisees and Sadducees taught about some kind of law that they had to keep and no one really could keep. Somehow you were supposed to be made whole when you did that, but no one could. Are you bummed out on that kind of religion? Then come directly to me, Jesus. Come to me. Come to me. Uh, and, and see how I do it. And you look how he lived his life. He's a remarkable person to live in his world. He's heading to the cross, living in a Roman-occupied country, living among people who are divided in every way you possibly divided, and he lived that life around the simple mo- moments of relationships with other people. And that's what he did. Let me show you how I do it. Do the same thing. So we begin understanding about the soul's connection with God and others as a key component of experiencing what Jesus said was the abundant life. So if you really experience. The second word we have here is verse 28b. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Rhythms of grace. 
Now, you know the song Amazing Grace. We get that. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me, that God saves our souls. But there's also another sense of the rhythms of grace. And rhythm is part of last week's message, the rhythms of, of, of rest, the rhythms of Sabbath. The rhythms of grace. What exactly is that for you and for me? We often divide life around the big things of life, and so we miss the small things of life where grace is experienced. You know, I think our fact that we're gathering right now in worship, choir sang great music, orchestra, we love that in our church. But your presence here is a rhythm of grace, a movement into a season of grace where you're in church. I don't know what your week was like this last week. It might have been the best week of your life. Probably not, though. It might have been the worst week of your life. There's a chance of that for some of you. Some went well, some things went well, some things didn't. We had some things we did, we thought, boy, why did I do that? Other things we thought, I made a good choice there. We, we all have that similar uh, approach to life, I think. But here we have a rhythm of grace. God just is here, present among us. His spirit moves among us. His love and grace is here welcoming us and saying, I'm so glad you're here. And he's calling us to himself in a healthy way in the sense of I want to heal your damaged soul. That's a rhythm of grace. Do you get that part? Uh, last night I walked our dog. I do that in my neighborhood all the time. Uh, it's kind of a quiet time for me as much as walking the dog. And last night I made the decision to have a, a fast walk. Wear him out really good, you know. He's a puppy, so sometimes he needs that. So I'm walking the dog. But there's a place I like to stop sometime. It's there on the, it's there on the, on where we live, not far from my house. And I get there in about 20 minutes. I can stop there and sit. And I was just sitting there for a moment. Just sitting there for a second. I have to make myself do it. But I sit there, you know, there's some water in the background, I hear that, and I just, I just think about God, and I pray sometimes, sometimes I don't. I look for God's presence, sometimes I just kind of there, pet the dog. You know, now that's a rhythm of grace where I think, God, you gave me this, and all that comes from it and where it goes to, it seems like a simple thing, and yet that rhythm of grace is where health and healing happens as I experience God's presence, intentionally doing that. Uh, I go to a Whataburger uh, last night. Uh, my, our granddaughter, who lives with us now, she's going to college here, uh, she wanted some uh, French fries with spicy ketchup. Now, Whataburger sells, spells, sells spicy ketchup, which is different than regular ketchup. She, she said it through. Spicy ketchup, granddad. It's not the same. Okay, so I had to say through. Spicy ketchup when I ordered it. But um, while I'm waiting there in the drive-thru, I noticed there on the side... Uh, somebody really at Whataburger worked really hard to plant some beautiful flowers, some plants, some other things right there, and they were growing so well. And I just stopped right there and rolled the wind down and, and thought, now, God, you made that stuff. You know, that's a simple thing, but it's a rhythm of grace. It's a rhythm of grace that heals our souls and our lives that we miss because we're all about the big stuff, the big things, the big achievements, the big moments, the big failures, the big successes. And God's about grace. It saves us. It's with us in life. It gives us abundant life. It forgives our sin, all those things for us because he just simply wants to walk with us in the smallest moments. If you can't walk with God in small moments, you won't know him in the big ones. You have to do it there in those places. It's a rhythm of grace. Come to me, all ye that are worn out and tired, and I will give you this. I will, I will give you, I will teach you. You'll learn what you need to learn that in our world is so stinking hard to learn. In this fast-paced, ridiculous world you and I live in that God did not create that we created. 
meaning our environment, the world we live in, the fast pace of it, uh, the way we can try to control our environments that prevent us from actually living with God the way he wants to. Third verse, verse 29. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. I hope you like that. I really do. Uh, that, you know, you can live the Christian life, he's telling you. You can do this. You can do this. You might think you can't because you might think, well, I've got to be this person. I can't do that. I've got to be Paul. I've got to be Mary, the mother. I can't do that. And so you're thinking, you can't do that. It's ridiculous. I can't, you know, he, you can. I won't lay anything ill-fitting or heavy on you. It was a great uh, thing for me and, and a freeing moment some years ago to realize as a pastor, and I have high expectations of my own life, of the church that I serve and lead, of what we're going to do together, of my own ability to lead and direct and, and bless a church, whatever role I am in a church at a given time. I have high expectations of myself in that, so, so know that that's, that's there for me. And so I, I always felt like I'm, I'm not good enough preacher. You know, if I was as good as this guy here or her, I mean, I'd, we'd be doing really good. You know, I'm not really as personable as this person here, and I really admire people who are just very personable and very charismatic. I'm an introverted guy, so I'm kind of not, at least I don't think I'm that compared to others that I see. Like, man, I'm certainly not have the energy. Of, I know one pastor, his energy is like, there's got to be five of him. I don't know how he does what he does, and I know that I'm not that. I, I don't have the energy that he has. And, and there's another pastor I know, this guy's the smartest guy on the planet. I just feel dumb when I'm sitting next to him and around him. You know, you know it may know people like that. And then I realized that all I am required to do is give who I am to whatever, and everything goes well. So I give, I give who I am to my family and, and my spouse and, and my church, and that can be good or bad, but that's all I've got. And once I realized that's all God expected of me, and God not only expected, that's what he wanted me to do, it changed everything for me in a remarkable way. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. And the fourth verse here, verse 30, keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. You know, if you just, just walk with me and here's what you will learn. Just walk with me. So what's your goal in life? What, what are you trying to achieve, accomplish? Where are you trying to get? Is it walking with Jesus Christ and how that impacts your workplace, your family, your church, and your world? Is that what it is or is it the backwards how you understand life, as we think about today, healing the damaged soul, how we're going to work in that. Now, I want to give you kind of a, a process that might help you as, as it does me. And if you don't normally look at your message page, it might be helpful to do that. You want to fill it out, just a couple words is all you got to do. So you don't have to write, use very much ink in filling that out, but I'd love to have you take it home. And, and whether you think you need it now, uh, you might need it by Wednesday, or you might need it if, if you're Caesar, you'll need it by lunchtime tomorrow, so uh, you might need it later on. Uh, by the way, one of us uh, is a retired NFL football player. Guess which, guess which one it is. If you're a guest here today, you're probably going to guess very quickly who that is, and it's not me. Talking about healing the damaged soul. The healing of a soul takes confession, and that's the first word. Yeah, we always can confess our sins. I mean, that's always appropriate to say, Lord, here's my sins. Confess my sins. Forgive me my sins. But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about instead confessing reality. And, you know, it's much easier to confess sins. It's easy to say, Lord, I got this problem, you know. I get angry too much or I hurt somebody's feelings or 
I've got an addiction. It's easy to name those things. And it's important to do that. I'm talking about confessing your reality. God, I have an emotionally damaged soul. In my life, I've had experiences that have damaged me, and I've been hobbling around on crutches for a year, five years, ten years, or all my life, and I don't want to do that anymore. Uh, To name our reality, God, I'm physiologically damaged. I know the way I live my life, I'm tired all the time. I don't take the Sabbath rest we talked about last weekend. I don't find those moments to stop and sit on a rock uh, in front of some water and just pray, which I'm still learning to do that. I, I, I need it every day, so I have to really make myself do it every day or I'm not, you know, uh, who I need to be and want to be. So it's recognizing I'm, I'm physiologically damaged. You know, it's my life has worn me. It's broken me. It's worn me down. I'm burned out is the word that people often use, which is simply meaning my soul's has been physiologically, physically damaged. And yes, God, I'm my, my soul is spiritually damaged. God, you were so close at one time, but not anymore. God, I felt your presence, but not anymore. God, church and faith and worship was a key part of my experience, but not anymore. You know, prayer and the Bible I was drawn to, I yearned to connect with you that way, but not anymore. And I feel that spiritual damage that impacts everything else in my life. It certainly does, physiologically and emotionally, and family, and church, and all, every part of our life. So we often find ourselves needing to have that healing take place that begins with confession of our own reality, which, by the way, is very difficult to do. We don't like the truth about ourselves. We, some, we like to avoid the truth about ourselves. We like to deny the truth about ourselves. So we have to start with confessing our own reality, always to God, and sometimes to other people. So we start with that. Secondly, healing of a soul takes time. It takes time. You know, that two weeks on that ship was not long enough. I hobbled off the ship, hobbled on the airplane, hobbled back home. I had to go to work that Monday because I had a baby and a wife. We needed to make money, so I went to the cemetery I was working at, and my boss did not feel sorry for me. What were you doing on that ship jumping around for anyway? So he had me go out with a tiller and till around some shrubs. I don't think that even needed to happen, but he sent me out there to do it anyway, and I had to limp out there, and I remember it because it hurt to go out there knowing very clearly it takes time for that kind of damage to heal. And you can't hurry it. You can't change the time. It takes time. Our soul is saved for the asking, Jesus saved my soul. But to have a damaged soul healed takes time. One pastor friend told me he was told a year for his own burnout season. He was told by his psychologist and his counselor, it takes you a year. Get out quit your ministry for one year and they'll take your year to recover. He didn't believe it. He tried for six months, and he had a heart attack the following year. And he said, well, I think they were right about that. You know, it takes, that kind, it takes time. for So don't be impatient. Be patient with God. Keep on. Give God a chance. And let recovery and building and change happen for you. And healing of a soul takes time. Thirdly, healing of a soul takes submission. Uh, Humility, of course, is the foundation for that. We have to submit to God and, yes, to other people many times. And often, uh, uh, submitting to other people is submitting to God. 
I love the, the story about Jesus when he uh, had the Last Supper and at that time of gathering with his followers there at the Passover before the, he went to the cross. He washed his disciples' feet, which in that time was an act of a servant. He knelt to wash their feet, and really what he was doing, he was kneeling before God, his heavenly Father. Kneeling before them was kneeling before God. They didn't get that, though. They didn't get that kneeling before others in their own life was kneeling before God. It was the same thing. That kind of humility where it brings healing and wholeness and sets us free. It's a big deal to submit, willing to others and to God, and what it means for us. Well, fourthly, healing of a soul takes faith, faith. Now, you may think you don't have any faith, but let me tell you what Jesus talked about faith this way. He said, faith, the grain of a mustard seed. That's all it takes. If you have the faith to come to God and pray, you get all the faith you need. You say, Jesus, help me, you get all the faith you need. If you say, God, I'm in trouble, you get all the faith you need. You come to church and you, and you just simply are part of this, you get all the faith you need. The grain of a mustard seed is all that it takes. Jesus was very aware of what he was saying when he said that. And you move mountains, you can heal the damaged soul. It's not the strength of faith. It's the God we place our faith in. It's about that, as I often say, that relationship. Fifth thing here, healing of a soul begins and ends in grace. It begins and ends in God's grace. And that's back to the security question every human being ever has been born has. Because we have reason to be insecure. We're going to die. We can't control anything. Our world moves in ways we don't understand. You want to list the reasons that you have to be insecure? There is a lot of those reasons. Your list would never end. But you want to list the reasons you have to be secure? That's the cross of God. That's a crucified God. That's a Savior who gave his life on the cross for you and me. And that reason trumps all the other reasons. So when you find that place, you find the place where healing always happens. The healing of a damaged soul. The final words are the words of that text read again, again from the Message Bible. Are you tired? Don't raise your hand, but my guess is many of you are. You're just tired. Are you worn out? Many here are. Are you bummed out on religion? Religion is always going to bum you out, but Jesus never will. Religion will always bum you out eventually but Jesus never will. He says, then come to me and learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live free and lightly. Will you pray with me, please? Heavenly Father, I know there are many here who are emotionally damaged. Maybe all their life God has been going on. It was family experience. Someone they trusted hurt them. Maybe they've done things to God that damage themselves. Other people hear God like that, many. There are people here, Lord, that are physiologically damaged. Uh, they are t just literally worn out. The word burnout is a word they use to themselves all the time, but no one else knows that they use those words themselves. There are people here, God, I know many of that are spiritually damaged in their life. They have lost faith in you and themselves and others and even the hope that life can be better. 
There are many here, God, that are simply, their soul is damaged. And you know, God, that's our journey in this world. We find those moments that we are hurt, uh, that we find ourselves when those moments we need healing. And, and so we might be there today, God, not a little bit, a lot. So I ask you, God, to, to bring healing to us. Minute by minute, hour by hour, day by day. Restore us through us the joy of life. The joy of walking with you. The joy of just being a Christian. The joy of family. The joy of marriage. The joy of friendships. The joy of coming to church. Maybe even the joy of going to work. The joy of working in our yards. The joy of mowing the grass. The joy of walking a dog or the joy of sitting in a water burner line. Make that for us, God, as I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.